Welcome hey. to The Riff with Ian Foster, and I'm here with um, Officer Harrison, and then um, who else is on the line? Uh, Chief Bob Hey, welcome back. Is there anybody else in the room that I need to recognize? No. All right, cool. Well, I'm glad you made the time. I know we went back and forth. We had a couple of uh, tentative appointments, and you had important stuff to handle, which comes with the territory, so I appreciate you meeting with me. Uh, hey, we appreciate it and apologize for, uh, unfortunately, uh, the scheduling that uh, we've been a little bit busy here in Nome, and, but it's uh, all good, and I appreciate you calling back. Awesome. Well, I know we don't have a ton of time today, so I'm not going to take too much of your time, but part of what I'm doing as a program is just interjecting a lot of humanity back into, um, you know, the different people that I talk to. So it's not just about what you do, it's who you are. And um, how did you both get up to Alaska? You just give me the quick version of the story. Well, I'll give uh, Gray the chance to start off. Uh, uh, great. Long story short, ex-girlfriend. So she recruited you? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, she, she left, I stayed. And of course, All right. Um, Ian, I'll you know, so uh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, Bob. Uh, you know, it, my uh, situation is uh, I'm a retired police officer out of Virginia, and they, mm-hmm. I know a uh, a good friend of mine that's a trooper in Alaska, um, and he has been trying to get us, uh, since we retired, to come up, uh, maybe uh, locate and find a, another uh possible job up here so we got lucky put in for the uh, job here in Nome and uh, I guess sometimes be careful what you wish for right uh, it's an awesome opportunity uh, and the ability uh, uh, to work with the people in Nome I mean there's a lot of stuff we need to uh, you know start here and we since September we uh, began that so it's just a new uh, way of uh, thinking maybe a fresh way of thinking and uh uh, to include uh, uh, going towards being more proactive uh, in the community and uh, helping these uh, good officers, the A-team, as I call them now, you know, get uh, additional help here and yeah. work in a positive direction. Yeah, that's awesome. And you and I have had a couple of conversations in preparation for this. I mean, we haven't met in person, and, and I can't wait to do that. I'll be back up in May. Um, and I know you guys, your, t- your time is limited, so I just want to jump into it. Um, Gray just mentioned that he just got back from a SART training. And um, yep. can you describe what that is? Because part of what you just said, Bob, is um, you were talking about some of the overall, you know, considerations you have um, as a chief of police. And some of, that, some of them are political. You know, I mean, you have to speak right. You don't want to step on people's toes. And you want to do the, the job the right way. Um, but let's talk about that SAR training that Officer Gray just got back from, because I see that as a indicative of actual actions, not just talking about stuff, but actually, you know, implementing an agenda that has an a, a incredible opportunity within the community to push things in the right direction with a very, um, you know, dynamic and difficult situation, which is, you know, sexual assault. Um, describe what the training was about, Gray, and, and describe how that um, choice was made to send into it. So the, the training itself, SART stands for a Sexual Assault Response Team. Um, basically, it was a good training. It had a, the advocates were there, prosec- prosecutors were there, um, nurses who were sane, so they're, you know, they're forensic nurses to do the test. Um, and then, of course, law enforcement uh, throughout the state was there. Um, it's a three-day program with one extra day specific to your profession. 
Um, and they just go through everything. You know, they, they describe what's going on with the advocates. Uh, they describe what's going on with um, law enforcement, what's our role, you know, what's the role of the nurses, um, and how we can come together as a team, what's the pros and cons of each of our communities, um, extra resources that we need, what are the challenges facing for uh, those victims, um, and how we can overcome that and work together not only within, you know, say just the western region, but getting, you know, southeast or something like that involved. Um, and it just goes over all that and, and how to better ourselves, and it's a refresher course for, you know, for those who have already had it as well. Yeah. Um, Bob, can you describe, were you the one that made the choice on that to send him to it? Yeah, I mean, what we're doing, Ian, is, uh, you know, again, changing course a little bit, is, one, the community uh, is who we work for. And the uh, the right amount of training that the officers receive uh, is a must. So we, we're looking at uh, updating, a, you know, quite a bit of the training for the officers to include Cal first or, or SART uh, training, for instance, to include uh, um, other training that's imperative uh, for our folks to have. But, you know, just as a, uh, you know, a footnote uh, to the community, we owe the community uh, factual information uh, that we can provide them. We owe them the ability to follow up on calls for service. We, you know, owe the community uh, to have the best investigation done uh, possible uh, on sexual assaults, domestic violence, uh, or any other crime uh, committed. And that's, again, uh, through uh, uh, everything from report writing to, uh, you know, the training for it, you know, the experience that we have here now, being able to coach and mentor, uh, you know, younger officers, uh, you know, to, you know, go a different way maybe, uh, see things a different way. But at the same time, uh, the officers here that have been here for a little while, include Gray, are teaching us uh, as well. You know, these guys coming in from, uh, you know, the lower 48, uh, you know, different aspects to Alaska. Uh, you know, it's not enough, uh, you know, again, to investigate. And it's not always, you know, arresting may not always be the answer in some cases. But we're looking at, the, you know, again, uh, becoming more proactive in versus reactive. Yeah, but to do that, uh, we need additional personnel to help us out. And that's where we're going with the council. The council and uh, city manager are, are helping us, you know, through the budget process uh, to attain that. So, uh, and that goes everything from uh, even looking outside to, uh, to grants for school resource officers, you know, prevention in our schools to uh, uh to just eating with the elders, you know, to uh, going out into the community and being more proactive. And with the proper information, uh, team building, profession building, you know, between CAC, the uh, BHS, for instance, uh, uh, to our children OCS, uh, we're working a lot better, I think, with each other. So it's, it's a multifaceted area, time management, case management, uh, all bunched in a lot. So it's amazing what these uh, officers go through in Western Alaska as far as report writing, uh, investigations. Uh, it, it, if people knew how much paperwork that uh, officers have to do, it's, just, it's uh, insurmountable amount compared to other departments. 
So we're, we'll get into some of that, some of the simplification process in a second. Um, I just wanted to mention when I first got up to Nome, I, I immediately went to work within about two months. I went to work for the child protective services and, and, but then I, I wasn't there. I was there for about a year, year and a half before I actually dealt with my first, um, sexual abuse case, you know, child sexual abuse case. And it's, it's heavy stuff, you know, and I had, I had shadowed some of the other workers on previous cases. Um, at that time, the child advocacy center, which processes, um, such cases wasn't up to speed. And so there, we, we had a couple of troopers that were um, trained in forensic interviewing. And later I got trained on that as well. But, um, but I just remember being feeling so far out of my element because I didn't know the exact proper way to process. I hadn't actually been trained on the exact way because child sexual abuse cases and sexual abuse cases there, I mean, there's similar things that you do, but the nuances from person to person and case to case are, are so important. And you can derail the entire train so quickly if you don't take into account those considerations. And, and at that time, the child advocacy center wasn't functioning correctly. And so, um, it was one of the most helpless positions I've ever been in, in my entire life is knowing this family needed help, knowing there was a kiddo that was vulnerable and, and not having the process and the mechanism to, to push things through, you know, with, with both with justice and, um, you know, with tribe, with state, all of it. Um, it was a really, it was really awful and there's no other way to, to say it. Um, that being said, since then, some amazing people have come into the team. Uh, Tracy McGarry, she's running the Child Advocacy Center now, and she's done an amazing job at changing organizational culture. Um, I'm going to have her on as, as, as long as she's willing um, on the podcast later this summer and pick her brain about changing organizational culture. She's done some amazing things, but we have some really solid people moving things forward now. And we have some systems in place. So having a police officer that start trained that understands some of those considerations that can go into that, I think that's an awesome thing. So I really appreciate you saying that. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Um, again, you're putting actions, you know, you're not just talking, you're putting actions together and, and being a part of that coalition in the community because it does take a community, you know, to make these things move forward. Um, Absolutely. That's a, a huge part. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, we got derailed. Um, what was your biggest takeaway from that? We'll, we'll get into some of the other things that we wanted to talk about in a second. What was the biggest takeaway for you, Gray, um, in that training? What's the biggest thing that's on your mind when you think about this is the new direction, this is what I'm trained to do, this is my role within the community and on the force? Um, the biggest thing I took away from it is just the, just the power of the community um, to come together and all those resources to create something bigger um, that was pretty amazing to see the different groups of folks there, um, you know, and to learn about the generational trauma um, that everybody's gone through and to understand, you know, why a suspect does something and why a survivor is such a good survivor. They had a couple of guest speakers come up there um, and just to better, you know, understand that, how to investigate that properly and, um, you know, push that all the way through to the prosecutor to see results. And if I can interject one thing, too, Ian, is... Uh, Go for it. You know, you've got to, you know, to do parallel planning, right, with everybody. And it's not just what we're doing here uh, in Nome. I mean, it's so many things that uh, I think we're starting to do now that, uh, again, being a little bit more proactive in what I do. Tracy and 
the folks up there are awesome. Uh, we can uh, certainly get names out here that uh, uh, since we've been here since September is uh, you know been a big change. And again, bringing the community in is absolutely a huge thing that we're trying to do. We have a coalition that uh, you know I spoke to you about offline a little bit was we've had our second meeting, but we're trying to bring in. Uh, all the professions to include some of the, you know, the public into it, meaning uh, business businesses type things. So, uh, with that said, you have, you know, folks from AMCC, CAC, BHS, uh, the Nest or the Day Shelters, the Hospital, uh, all the professions that are coming together to help try to be more proactive in uh, prevention, education. You know, one of the things that we're doing here now is uh, for everybody. Is cultural training uh, over here at the museum. We have a couple of people there that uh, are awesome uh, helping us out because you've got to know the people that you work with yeah. uh, here in Nome. Here and uh, uh, and it's it's imperative that we're able to uh, to see that. I mean, we you know culturally uh, knowing exactly what's happened to some uh, uh, folks over several generations, you begin to understand certain things and what, you know folks are. Uh, having some issues and uh but with that said that kind of guides you in the right direction to help with uh not only law enforcement i mean we get involved you may have to make an arrest but it's still the understanding through the investigative and arrest process that you you're dealing with an awesome set of uh uh district attorneys here uh to the court system and we're you know we're uh, and to include now you know, over the weekend i was able to speak to uh uh, deputy commissioner here and, and, and the, uh, they want to get more involved, uh, with other jurisdictions. They see what we're trying to do here, but, you know, other locations within Alaska to come together, law enforcement and other professionals to say, okay, well, this is, this is actually working and known. Can that work in St. Paul or wherever, you know, in Alaska? Or vice versa. What are we doing wrong? What are we doing right? Uh, and if we're not doing that together at the local and state level, uh, you know, that we're, it's going in that direction. And, and that's a good thing. It's just a matter of uh, implementing it. And, you know, it's good to know that uh, and it doesn't matter what administration it is. It's good to know that, uh, you know, we're open to helping each other that way. So and that's an awesome that we're yeah. looking at. Uh, so, Bob, you, you mentioned a, a pretty overarching theme, and the way that you're going coming into this as a coalition and as a community member, um, kind of stepping softly at first, trying to understand, um, I'm hearing a, a really unique dynamic. And where is that coming? Is that some of the training that you've received, or is that just who you are? Or are you coming into it, this and just realizing what the situation is, and, and then you you formulated your approach where does that um agenda come from like the way you're operating right now i think it's well it's multiple facets i think uh, it's through 30 plus years of experience uh in law enforcement but also including my military experience that i uh was involved with especially i was a civil affairs officer for a, a number of years so and deployed into uh different countries and and one of the things that you learn in the civil affairs, you've got to uh, civil information management is something we own, and you've got to be able to provide 
that predictive analysis uh, for folks, uh, and they're doing, uh, you know, so if you don't go out and sit and drink coffee with the local owner or the the local elder or the kid, it's, you're not going to know the community. If you don't get out and sit down with the folks with the native councils uh, that we've been sitting down. And again, with the footnote, it's okay. It's okay to disagree as long as we're coming together and for a, uh, a good result. And that's where it's going. So uh, that's where my background came in. So community policing is a huge uh, asset uh, for us. So it, again, is building, uh, taking uh, pieces of the puzzle and putting them back together, meaning like we were saying, you know, school resource officer in the school uh, is a huge deal to put the right person in the right place to help the kids uh, see a different aspect in law enforcement and also have the ability to go to someone uh, with some issues. But, uh, again, understanding that, you know, it, there are consequences to actions as well. So um, mm-hmm. we're, we're in the schools teaching. You know, uh, we've got a grant now. Uh, and we sat down with the school folks to, uh, with drug, alcohol, and suicide prevention. So that will start that next year. Uh, you know, sitting down with the elders. I mean, that's how you get out and understand the community. So that's, that's exactly where yeah, my, my training, uh, has, uh, come from. And, uh, and the thing is what we did militarily, uh, you know, it actually works. Uh, and it, and it, it kind of coincides with the community policing aspect of it. So, you know, you can't stay in your police car. Get out and introduce yourself to people. You know, uh, and it's, it's a good thing yeah. now where, and with uh, you uh, familiar with Front Street here. Uh, you know, when I go around the corner uh, on my way to the elementary school to run, you know, watch school traffic in the mornings, uh, the folks that are out on Front Street are waving at me because they know who I am. Uh, yeah, and, that's awesome. Uh, talk to them. Yeah, and. Uh, so, again, it's, you can't fire and forget. You've got to go out and actually be proactive. Yeah, well, and especially, uh, especially in a small town, like, you, you, because you live there. And I don't know anybody, you know, that doesn't feel a certain amount of anxiety when the blue lights, you know, start shining. And if that's the only interaction people have with you, you're going to be associated with a situation of anxiety and potentially duress, you know. So when people can see that you're right. human, just like we were talking about at the very beginning, you know, when people see you're human, they also understand, hey, there's two sides to this. Um, and speaking of, I mean, what I'm hearing you say has to do with um, bringing some humanity into your interactions with people. Um, and you guys have to, you have to juggle that in all of your interactions. I dealt with that at a certain amount doing child protective services. You, you get a report. There's something that's inappropriate going on. There's some sort of child abuse happening, or, or maybe not. I mean, you go into it you know, trying to be fair and in the middle. But as soon as you find out something's happening, your justice, you know, you got to figure out what's happening here. And, but the minute you, you get, um, a certain amount of either recognition or compliance or, or permission, whatever you want to call it, then all of a sudden you just switch that justice hat off. You put on the mercy cap and you're like, okay, let's figure this out. And let's like, as a team, let's move forward. Let's help your family get where they need to get. Um, you know, one thing, what's that dynamic for you guys? Yeah, i tell you, uh, you just threw out a thought that uh, I sent an email out the other day. One thing that uh, we're seeing here, you know, again, we had uh, um, an element that sometimes we're forgotten about, and meaning how about helping within as well, right? Because if you see all these uh, in these reports that we're getting, 
in uh, Western Alaska for domestic assaults, uh, uh, sexual assaults against children, uh, sexual assault, period. Uh, that actually wears and tears on your folks internally. Absolutely. Uh, as well. So that's, that's one heavy. thing that I want the public to understand, too, is one of the things I'm looking at uh, implementing, I've already talked to BHS uh, with Lance over there, is uh, how are we going to in, in, include a uh, debriefing for everybody here to go through at the same time? It's, we're not picking on anybody, but it's, uh, hey, uh, you know, I want the folks to know that in all the years that I've been in uh, police work, and I have worked some very heinous crimes and, and seen some, you know, victims that were just, it, it just, it, you, you, your heart goes out to them. And, uh, but, you know, what happens to the police dispatcher or the communications officer who's taking that call while somebody's screaming that somebody's going to kill them, uh, to the police officer actually going on, on scene, uh, into that. So it, you know, that's one thing that we're looking at as well. So I, I want to make sure everybody understands we're, we need to take care of, uh, it's not just the community. We need to take care of our public servants uh, as well. It's not just police, but it's fire and EMS here uh, that yeah. uh, deal with a lot of this uh, basis. So, you know, it's that uh, that book is wide open to uh, improvement. So, and that's where we're yeah. going to go. Yeah. So we, we live in a, a world where we're becoming increasingly, increasingly specialized and also increasingly role driven. So when there's a problem, we look to a certain person or an organization to fix it. And I saw this over at behavioral health when I was an intern over there. Um, a lot of times when, when a community, you know, the community didn't know what to do with a certain individual is like, well, call behavioral health. They're the mental health magicians, you know, <laughs> and, uh, one of the things that I love about Alaska is that generally speaking, we handle our business. We're a bunch of pretty accountable people. And so whereas other places, there's a lot, you know, not the dog lower 48, but in other places, there may be a little more propensity to look around and say, well, somebody do something in Alaska. Generally speaking, we give ourselves a little more permission to actually be the somebody that does something. When there's systems in place, when there's laws in place, when it's like a, you know, a a sexual abuse, exactly. uh, exam, not examination. What am I? Case, uh, investigation. That's sorry. I was looking for investigation. Um, there, there's specific protocols that we don't want to get in the way of. But when there's a, a specific problem happening right now, and we are the type of people that can help, whether that's you know somebody's stuck in a snowbank, whatever. Don't look around. Like we are the people that can help, and we can do a lot more than we think we can especially as a community and especially in the rural places. I mean, there's going to be some folks that are listening to this in the villages and there's a lot less resources there, um, but we're all people, we're all humans and we all care about each other. So there is a lot of permission that we can actually give ourselves to act appropriately, even outside of systems. And that's through education, right? Through education. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, we're looking not just within known, but again, uh, a, you know, a great conversation, uh, you know, again, with the deputy uh, commissioner is it's awesome to see how the state wants to improve uh, this assistance and, and, and be proactive in helping. There. It is, it's everyone, right? I mean, everyone, yes. uh, unfortunately, become a victim at some time. So it's being able to provide, you know, additional resources. And one of the things we're still looking at, too, again, this is just through the pro- budget process, but the thinking that where I came from, we had a, uh, like a sexual assault DV coordinator. Now the CAC has the assistance 
through that, which, you know, we, and BHS and different professions, which is fine. And they're awesome there, but at most of your departments, I like to hire a person that uh, is a DVSA coordinator here. It could, is a, it could be a, a non-sworn position, and, uh, but those, that person is the direct link uh, to that victim. The victim doesn't uh, it, it need to know informational-wise, but uh, that DVSA coordinator uh, works directly with the victim through the police department. Uh, to include with the officer involved and ensures follow-up is done, ensure uh, additional resources are given to that person. Uh, uh, and, and that's an important part. It's just it's adding a, a different, an additional layer to ensure uh, people are being take, taken care of. And, and, that's, and it has nothing to do with, uh, you know, the, the, the follow-up from a police officer or investigator. It's adding... Uh, that human, uh, the humanity side of it with a non-sworn individual that's, uh, that understands and works directly with, uh, like the, you know, the ladies with the uh, CAC, BHS, uh, and yeah. provides that additional help. But, you know, again, that, uh, but that is, you know, down the road a little bit, but, you know, again, where we're yeah. trying to go yeah, yeah. with personnel. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. Um, we're going to switch gears a little bit. Um, so a few years ago, there was a Senate bill that was passed, 91. It was sweeping um, justice reform for Alaska. It was, re- it was corrected a little bit, but it's come under scrutiny again. Um, current legislation is being talked about, you know, repeal or partially repeal, stuff like that. Um, are you still in the room? Yes. Okay. Um, you were there with the department when, um, when SB 91 passed. What was the rollout like? What was the effect on uh, the force, on the community, on your ability to, um, you know, conduct your business? Good, bad, neutral, mixed? Um, I would say I, I get the goal, the, you know, the goal that they were, they were trying to roll out, but it was such a prolonged bill. I mean, even until, I want to say 2019, this year, they had some stuff that's still being in effect from it. Um, but... A lot of it is going to be bad for our small community just because of the bell schedule changes, um, you know, the lowering of the, the crime um, as far as the sentencing, you know, how long somebody's going to get convicted for, you know, when do they go to arraignment, how long they're held, um, things like that, and especially first-time offenders, um, you know, and then they, they brought the whole, uh, you know, the PED, the pre-enforcement um, trial division to basically have a mini probation officer of these individuals who would get out on orders and release conditions, which clearly can't be implemented in a place like Nome because they didn't have it. Um, so, yeah, it was a, it's a pretty big, uh, you know, it affected our daily work um, dramatically in our, you know, the crimes where we had a lot of repeat offenders because they knew they would essentially go to jail, get right back out, and just get rearrested and with very little consequence. Yeah. Did you ever find yourself in a situation where something had changed because of the bill that you weren't aware of, and so you you arrested somebody or were in some form of your duties and realized, like, you weren't acting properly according to the new law, whereas you're following, you know, old policy or old law? Did you ever find any any situations like that? No, not really as far as doing anything wrong. I think the biggest thing that everybody had questions about was just the bail schedule. You know, hey, 
Do I have a bell? Do I have a raiment? Is it $500? Oh, it's no bell this time. Um, the presiding judge ordered a bell schedule. That was the largest thing. Or if like a, you know, somebody got a ticket for a driving offense and it used to be a misdemeanor, but now it's only a minor offense, so they would actually not have to go to court. Um, but nothing from day to day where it was like, you know, life changing, doing something wrong. No. Gotcha. So the current state of things, it's still affected by 91. Um, what are some uh, potential improvements to it that would, I mean, part of what was happening in the United States of America, we just had this, in, we're, we're the highest incarcerated country in the world by a lot. So um, some of what's been happening, not just in Alaska, but all over the United States, we've been asking ourselves as governments, as communities, like, why are we locking so many, mostly boys and mostly men, you know, why are we locking so many of our men up? And so that's, that's where, that was kind of some of the impetus that led to the bill. Um, that being said, what, I mean, the, the generalization that I can say is it, it seems like the bill just dropped everything down a step. So, um, but now we're seeing the repercussions of that. What do you think could be some improvements to what the bill was supposed to do, but didn't do, or, um, if you could change things, if you were like dictator of Alaska for a day or two, what would you do to SB 91 and 54? What improvements would you make? I know, uh, if I can interject. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The of course, you. Yeah. The, yeah. The, in broad terms, I mean, it's, it's supposed to reduce the number of people in prison and cut correctional costs, you know, without compromising, right. you know, public uh -huh. safety. But if, you know, with what, uh, uh, you know, I'm the new guy in town here since September. So, uh, and seeing what, you know, Gray and the other officers have gone through a little bit is if you do have that revolving door and if it's, uh, yeah, I know it's going through changes as, as we speak, but, uh, you know, allowing the judges to give a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, leeway on that person, uh, if they're being rearrested, uh, you know, for another offense that's by the time the officer leaves the, you know, the police station, they're out on the street committing another crime. I think what we're saying with you know, the uh, SB 91 in, you know, the house is supposed to reduce the number of people in prisons, the correctional costs, uh, right. I, I think it's, you know, helping out. But at the same time, you have to, again, on our side, you know, working with, uh, as multiple facets with policing and stuff, but I mean, working with the DA, working, with the courts working with, uh, you know, so many people out here to help try to prevent that. You know, you look at that, so many things where if you have, for instance, I mean, everybody has a right to a bail hearing uh, and, you know, what happens to that individual that can't post bail? And what happens to that person that has the ability to post bail? And that's all the constitutional rights that need to be looked at. That's there. You know, is there a public defender that's assigned, uh, you know, to these folks that are indigent? Uh, you know, out there to help them, uh, you know, uh, you know, one, get out of uh, jail for the amount of time for pretrial uh, services. Uh, you know, again, there's so many things out there that uh, needs to be looked at. But uh, I think, uh, you know, in the long run that, uh, you know, with 91 and based on what, again, being a new guy in town, um, the justice system does need to be, maybe looked at and revamped a little bit, but, you know, and how corrections does it is really not my 
uh, side of the house is just what we see personally as police officers, law enforcement on the street, and how it's, uh, uh, you know, uh, affecting us and the public. Because, we, you know, our calls for service, for instance, have almost really doubled uh, over the past few years, tripled in some cases, and uh, yet the amount of police officers here have not uh, increased. Uh, so, I mean, that that's where, uh, you know, you're seeing cause and effect in multiple areas, uh, you know, coming in to, uh, uh, you know, assist with. So I'm, I'm all for, uh, you know, revamping and see what the, you know, current administration is going to do uh, with it. Like I said, I wasn't here prior to uh, the implementation of it, but I'm seeing some of the effects of it. But, uh, Gray, you got any? Uh, yeah, I agree with what he's saying. Okay. Is there anything specific that you would change, Craig, that affects the way that you do your job? And also, not just the way you do your job, but the, just the revolving door of what you're experiencing? Uh, focusing on the, um, you know, more the the trauma impacts on the community, I would be in favor of bringing back the, you know, the sentencing link and the certain, you know, the maximum time for crimes. Um, and then maybe working on a new bill of how they would be able to reduce that sentence in another way, you know, such as community service or what other courts impose um, sanctions. But I, I'm for the, you know, more uh, more time because it, it's going to help that victim out in the long run, you know, if it's a violent crime. And, you know, Ian, we're looking at, uh, I mean, we're, we got to let, the good thing about the United States, we have, uh, you know, a system in uh, Juneau that's going through a process, right? And, uh, uh, and we're going to be constantly evaluating how it's going to be affecting us as local law enforcement, and uh, and but still working together with all the professions that we brought up here. Uh, like I said, with the good DA's office, uh, our guys here, gals, and and we just uh, once it comes out, I mean, we'll continuously evaluate. And I think uh, the good thing about it is. Uh, being able to repeal uh, certain things about this stuff is, is part of our system. So, yeah. uh, you know, sitting down and being able to talk at the macro and micro level about how to make changes and do, um, you know, the, the uh, statistics and exactly what is affecting, uh, you know, Western Alaska versus like, uh, you know, other parts of Alaska. So, and that's where, you know, coming together and just talking. It, yeah. Be a lot more. Yeah, and one thing as I've dove into this, I've I've um, I've spoken informally and off the record with a lot of different people about this. All of the people that are in public employment, you know, for state, they can't they can't comment publicly on any of this, and they have strong opinions. You know, I, I enjoyed some of the conversations that I had, and uh, well, I don't know if enjoyed is the right word, but I mean they were informative and. Um, that being said, they, they can't comment on it publicly. So you have a great opportunity here to kind of voice, you know, not just agenda, but considerations, let people get to know you, um, just interject one more piece of humanity into, you know, what you guys are trying to do there. Um, but a lot of our public servants don't have that same opportunity. They have to go. I've been pointed towards communication officers and I, I haven't heard anything back, which is fine. You know, they're busy and we're also in the middle of the legislative session. So it's not great timing for, to get people with uh, a three half hour, 45 minutes. Um, do you feel like you have uh, more latitude 
to be able to speak your mind on in a public forum forum because of your position than some of the other, um, uh, I, I guess, personnel. You know, but I, well, you know, since I've been here, we've tried to improve our, uh, you know, relationships with uh, the media, and uh, because the, the thing of it is, media is actually our friend. You know, you got to be able to work together to be transparent. Uh, and I can tell you, the city manager uh, here is awesome. He's uh, uh, absolutely, uh, uh, you know, backing us and wanting us to uh, continue on doing what we're doing. And uh, and being transparent means, you know, being able to talk to folks like you, Ian. And the thing is, we're not divulging police secrets, you know, or and, right. and that's not the purpose, right? It's, it's still being able to uh, at least talk. Uh, about uh, cause and effects sometimes. And, and like I said, the legislature in the state is doing exactly what we're, you know, we're paying them to do in Juneau, right? I mean, and that's, you know, taking a look at this bill and, and revamping it. Uh, and, and again, we'll, you know, I'm sure other police chiefs and uh, other professionals are providing input uh, to what should be maybe considered uh, and into these, you know, 91 or 54. And, uh, and again, we'll take a look at it once it's passed and see how it's going to affect us one way or the other. And, uh, and we, uh, you know, have to adjust fire from that a little bit, meaning how we conduct ourselves, uh, on the street, how the folks are going to be taken, uh, into custody or not. And, uh, but still providing, uh, the, uh, the humanitarian aspect about it. And, uh, and still seeing where we can help grow as a community uh, to be more proactive with each other. And that's exactly like I said. It's, it's not an overnight uh, solution to this. You know it and I know it. But uh, since I've been here, again, I, I think uh, we've built a lot more bridges with folks here. And uh, it, it's still, you know, the, you still got a couple more to build, and, and that's okay. It's just a matter of it's in construction and we're going forward. Uh, you know, with it. So it's important to be uh, a part of uh, the community in, in this manner. And, like I said, we, and folks like you help us get that word out. And I want to make sure that, uh, uh, you know, the, the people at home need to, I mean, we're really dealing with the A-team here. Uh, now, like I said, we've got a lot of good young officers that really want to be here. They want to move up. They want to get training uh, and continue on with their careers. Uh, but we've got to be able to also take care of the uh, officers here, uh, meaning <clears throat> through recruitment, retention, uh, training. There's so many things that uh, uh, have, for one reason or the other, and it has fell through the cracks over the years. Uh, and that's what we're trying to do to prevent and, uh, and redirect even within. So, again, I appreciate your time uh, and, uh, and wanting to talk to us. And, again, I apologize that we couldn't get to you. Uh, sooner. No, we're okay. We're okay. I, I know you guys are busy, and and I really appreciate you fitting me. And I know you've got a lot of things going on. And you're right. There's a there's a massive opportunity. I'm looking at the numbers on the podcast, and there's a lot of people consuming it. About about half are in Nome, and then half are outside of Nome. So this is having a, a wider reach than just our our small community. Um, and that's my goal. I I hear a lot of good things happening. I like what you're saying. I like more importantly what you're doing. Um, and I hope that that just 
joggle some ideas in other people that are influencers and decision makers, you know, to think, Hey, you know, this guy, chief Estes, he's thinking outside the box. Their force is doing some good things from a coalition perspective. Um, one last thing about confidentiality. When you talk about coalitions, I love the fact it takes a team. The, I mean, it's our team. It, it absolutely it has to be a team. It can't be one person that's really strong-willed. Like the whole team has to come together. That being said, in a small town, um, it also takes a team that is a steel trap when it comes to confidentiality. And so when we talk about different advocates and, and things like that, at the end of the day, it's about helping the victim the way the, vic- the victim wants to be helped. And it's about you know keeping that information secret, sacred, confidential, and um, and I know I know a lot of the different community members around and what their priorities are, what their considerations are. So I'm I'm happy to hear what your considerations are, and just you know having a a, a victim focus on on how to help them the way that they would like to be helped, and and within the systems that and integrating the systems in an efficient way that we can help them the best way possible, you know, and be consistent multiple with it. Ways, I think, you know, yeah. Confidentiality is a, is a must, right. But, uh, uh-huh. uh, and the thing of it is there, are, uh, you know, certain, uh, sexual assault crimes are victims that want to remain anonymous. Uh, and we understand that even though a report may be taken and we honor that, uh, we're not, uh, and if anyone or of course releases any information, that's, a Whole different ball of wax. Uh, right, right. Uh, you know the 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 main thing is to let uh, you know the folks in the gnome and uh, to understand that uh, uh, if a crime is committed against you, one uh, sexual assault uh, is just flat out wrong. Uh, any crime of that nature uh, is not right, and uh, and uh, is not the fault of the victim. Right. Uh, it needs to be re- it needs to be reported, and they need to understand that uh, we have a team in place uh, doing our best to investigate thoroughly uh, these crimes. And and this is something that some victims uh, you know don't understand that uh, these cases uh, how they're investigated. Uh, you know, you know, a person spoke at one of the meetings I went to that, and they said something about, well, CSI can do this and so many, uh, well, we're not CSI. <laughs> yeah. It's, and you can't fix things whatever. in 45 minutes. Yeah. 50, 50, right. 48 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And a sexual assault or DV or even some other crimes, uh, can take weeks, uh, months, uh, to really, uh, finish and then get over to the uh, DA's office for, uh, prosecution. Uh, at that point, uh, because the thing with this, we got to understand, you know, uh, some victims, uh, uh, for, ju- you know, good cause are a little bit reluctant and you got to talk to them. And then some suspects leave town. So, uh, being able to reach out, uh, and do everything, uh, legally through an investigation is, is so many parts, uh, to this that some people don't realize because during your, Evidentiary uh, process of you know collecting evidence correctly, uh, documenting correctly, report writing uh, correctly, interviewing, interrogation correctly uh, is all a part of making sure uh, the victim is taken care of uh, in that aspect as well as the suspect's rights. 
to include making sure that the victim is receiving uh, assistance that they need, uh, you know, through all the professions that are here and known. And, and that's where we're going with it. So it's, uh, we just want people to understand that, uh, and through, uh, you know, transparency, I mean, this was put out too, that uh, since I've been here, what we're doing is an actual audit uh, on a lot of the cases that we've had. So we're looking at over 460 cases uh, going back to 05. Uh, here. Wow. So, and uh, again, that's, uh, again, we're working directly with uh, uh, our friends over the DA's office. We've uh, consulted our friends in Anchorage with the FBI office. Uh, we're, uh, but again, I want folks to understand that this is a, a process, and that process is just going to take time. Uh, and once we audit these, again, what folks don't realize, we're, we're st- not only are we auditing cases, we're also taking current cases uh, as well. So, uh, you know, it's, and that's just going to take. Uh, I don't ha- have that uh, crystal ball to tell folks that when it's all going to come, uh, you know, to a finish because it's not. Because uh, no yeah. matter what happens, is uh, you know the audit's going to happen. But the unfortunate thing, there are more victims, you know, that, uh, that unfortunately is going to be out there today and tomorrow that we're going to be uh, trying to uh, help. Uh, so, and that's just what we're <clears throat> definitely want to get across to the to the public. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Through you. Yeah. yeah. Well, not not to quote Batman, but the night is darkest before the dawn. You know what? I, I've worked not at the CAC, but in conjunction, my boss was Tracy McGarry. So I've, I've been able to kind of um, just observe the change that she's helped affect in the organizational culture. And what happens when the organization starts to functioning properly is that people start to trust it and they start to realize, Hey, if I actually report something, something might happen, which 15 or 20 years ago, that wasn't the case. So all of a sudden right. there's, there's this massive spike in reporting and it's not that there's more crimes being committed. It's that people are starting to actually trust the system. And, and that first, those first people, uh, you know, bless their hearts, but they're getting into a system that's not fully formed yet, you know? And so they're just, right. you know, they're, they're the ones that are saying, you know what, this is the right thing to do. I got to do it. And I got to, we got to give it the best shot to get justice. And, you know, so you're a part of that process and I think it's awesome. Um, I really like what I'm hearing. So I I really appreciate what you guys are doing as a force. Any last thoughts? No, again, we appreciate everything. Uh, And it's, uh, you know, like I said, it's amazing uh, to be here with the folks within the department. I've got some awesome people. And uh, it's a great opportunity for us to be here for the the, uh, community in Nome. I mean, some great folks here in Nome. uh, And uh, and to be a part of it uh, is awesome. So, and I, I, I thank you. Awesome. Well, let me ask you one. So we've covered some really heavy ground and I can go there and you went. So I, I appreciate both of you guys for talking about some heavy stuff. I mean, obviously you covered it fairly superficially. I know the muck that you deal with on a daily basis. So, you know, much love and much respect for what you guys are doing. I appreciate it. Let me ask you a little more lighthearted question. What's the most Alaskan thing you've done in Alaska so far? Well, I mean, I love the fish and hunt. Uh, personally, and uh, I've been able to, of course, uh, I'm, my residency will be, you know, September for me to actually go out and hunt the big stuff, and uh, 
but a, a good friend of mine as a trooper took me with him to observe uh, 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 a peaceful hunt. observer. He was, he, <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. He was able to get one uh, while I was with him, and uh, and uh, while he was taking care of that one, I'm being a lookout, and another bear comes in within about 60 feet of us. So oh, uh, and between that and uh, fishing, fishing is awesome. We uh, were able to actually, you know, we got our fill of the fish, but uh, we also started giving the fish to uh, one of the elders here. No Eskimo community, uh, a person there to give it to the elders. So and that's, that's the thing. I mean, uh, you know, reaching out and, you know, you don't have to take all all the uh, the fish in the in the stream. You know, you give it to others as well. So yeah, can well, be, I've been a recipient yeah. of that fish a lot too. I honestly, I don't actually have to fish a lot. I have so many different people that offer me fish that I eat as much as I want. And I actually don't go fishing all that often just for that reason. I'm a little bit lazy about it. So I thank you <laughs> for being generous with your fish, and I'm sure the elder does too. Well, we hope so, and that's what we're trying to do as well. So, so many programs we're going to, again, uh, you know, try to implement. With, uh, I mean, the uh, like the torch run coming up. Yeah, you know, we're going to try to be involved with that. I've ran those back east to, uh, you know, it's, you know, seeing the countryside here, uh, it's it's amazing. It's a beautiful place to be, and uh, uh, and of course, I can't speak for Gray, but uh, you got any closing? No, I'm good. Everything's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> to quote the Lego movie, right? <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Everything is awesome. Well, look, have a great All right. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate you making the time. Thanks for what you're doing. All right. Thanks. We'll see you later. Yeah, have a good one.